Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Bet Online remains your number one source for all the college basketball betting this season. Get analysis of every play, prop, and point. Triple literative right there. You love it at Bet Online. You'll find the latest odds, bracket contests, team matchups, and game trends right over there at Bet Online. Get updated odds for everything from live games, the conference championships, right on through to the Final Four and the championship game. I've got UConn knocking off Alabama for the, uh, for the championship this year. My bracket's already busted as all of ours are, but they still remain alive. Bet Online is your college basketball headquarters this season. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to sign up and you'll receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. It's that easy, guys. Just be sure to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your bonus. BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Believe in Falcons. I'm your host, Will McFadden. We have got a great show on deck for you guys today. I'm going to be joined by the NFL Network's chief national reporter, Steve Weish, a friend of the program, to break down all things Falcons free agency up until this point. And then on the back end of the show, I'm going to add uh, an interview that I did with David Onyemata. Uh, it's technically a public interview, so if you if you guys want to go out, it may be on YouTube. I haven't checked, um, but he was made available to the media last week. It just turns out that you know very few media members. It was later on in the afternoon, so cut him some slack. They may have been driving home or, or whatever because it was a long lineup of, of Falcons players who did media availability that day. But I was on and pretty much got five minutes uninterrupted uh, just to ask David Onyemata a bunch of different questions. So. Because it's out there, because it's public, and because I conducted much, much of the interview, um, I'm going to tag it on to this podcast. So stay tuned for that after I talk with uh, Steve Weish, and you'll get to hear a little bit from uh, one of the Falcons' newest defenders. Before we get to Steve, though, I just want to touch on the Caleb McGarry signing and the Mac Collins signing, which uh, happened since you last heard a podcast on this feed. So starting with Caleb McGarry. I don't think it's any surprise that I really like this move. Obviously, I've been an increasing fan of McGarry's, I think, as the season went along, as I'm sure a lot of people were. Um, He had his best season, undoubtedly, as a member of the Atlanta Falcons after, you know, they didn't pick up his fifth year option. Former first round pick came in with Chris Lindstrom. Obviously, Lindstrom has become one of the top young guards uh, and maybe doesn't even need the qualifier young in the NFL. But this year, Caleb McGarry really took a step forward, especially as a run blocker. I mean, I, I don't think it's out of line to, to say he's up there now, you know, among the better run blockers in the NFL. It's just that p- pass protection has always been a little bit hit or miss with him. Um, and it was something I noticed a, a little bit coming out of college. And I read an article um, at the time. I forget who it was by, but essentially it was a little bit of a technique that I, I believe they taught. Um, in college with with Caleb was almost kind of like double setting your arms like you would bait the uh, edge defender into kind of making that first move by almost false punching and then resetting your arms and then punching again. So you kind of try to keep the edge defender off balance a little bit. 
I have no idea if that's still a technique that Caleb uses. Uh, I don't know what the evolution of his his game has looked like, but it was something that was interesting to me and stood out because I'd never seen it before when he was coming out of college. So that's the only reason I bring it up because, you know, I think that offensive line play is much more intricate and detailed than we often give it credit for. There are so many little techniques, so many um, aspects of the game that like an offensive lineman really has to trust and do over and over again flawlessly. All while one of the top edge rushers in the NFL is, is probably bearing down on you trying his own version of several different moves and trying to throw you. So it's a really interesting cat and mouse game. But I think that Caleb has improved every year that he's been in the league, which is all, you know, we can really ask for from guys. I think there's still growth left to go. I'm just happy that it's going to happen here in Atlanta. And especially when you look at the terms of the contract and compare it with, you know, the Mike McGlinchey's of the world. And that's no slight at Mike McGlinchey. I think he's he's a really good player in his own right. But Kayla McGarry gets a, a three year deal, thirty four point five million dollars. Um, that's awesome. That is great, great value for a right tackle in the NFL. We're starting to see that left and right tackle. It used to be that you're protecting the blind side on the left side. So that is where you get the, the premier money. I think that doesn't matter as much nowadays. And we're seeing as the NFL is becoming a passing league or is a passing league. I need to stop saying it's becoming a passing. The NFL is a passing league. Pass rushers are at a premium, which means the guys blocking those edge rushers are also at a premium, regardless of which side they play on, especially as teams are moving the pockets. You just got to have guys on both sides that can really both set an edge in the run game and block in pass protection. I think Caleb McGarry can do that. I think that this contract is, again, great value for what he brings. I don't think they overpaid him. I think they paid him probably what is fair given his track record over the years. And so now you're looking at, all right, they declined a fifth-year option. Maybe that ends up resulting in Caleb McGarry putting together his best year, although I think the scheme changes. I just think kind of being in this offense certainly more than than uh, say a dirt cutter offense that is more drop back seven steps like they want to get the ball down the field and push it this one favors what McGarry does a little bit more so as long as Arthur Smith is around as long as they're going to want to continue to impose their will on the ground having Kayla McGarry in the building makes a lot of sense the familiarity that he has with Chris Lindstrom also is going to be a big benefit I like what the Falcons are doing on their offensive line I think it's clear that this is a group that is better than it was a couple of years ago and certainly in a better position moving forward, I think, than it was a couple of years ago. So I love this signing. I'm glad it happened. I'm, I'm really, really excited that Caleb McGarry is going to stay here in Atlanta. Um, the other one, Matt Collins. I, I think, and you'll hear Steve talk a little bit more about this uh, in a few minutes, but another just under-the-radar move that I think will end up paying dividends this fall. He's... Another big receiver. The Falcons really like it. But as Steve and I talk about, it's more because what they can do in the run game. Also, it just increases a little bit more your margin for error in the passing game when you just have these big receivers with a bigger catch radius, but also they can make plays down the field, which is something that I expect the Falcons to do much more of in 2023. I know they wanted to do more of it in 2022. It just didn't. The connecting wasn't there. <laughs> they weren't making these big plays downfield, whether it was a quarterback not putting the ball out there or risking it down the field very much or just receivers, you know, not being where they need to be, not making the play. So I think this year you're going to see much more of that. I think Matt Collins 
is going to play into that. But by and large, he's just another physical receiver who's going to impose his will in the run game. Again, that's going to be the Falcons' bread and butter. It like, always will be. He can play special teams. It's just the type of signing where in you know, November, I wouldn't be shocked if we're sitting here being like, man, Matt Collins is probably not lighting the world on fire. You still got Kyle Pitts for that. You still got Drake London. Tyler Algiers got to get his touches. But it's just going to be a little bit of, of that Brian Finneran, you know, late years Roddy, where it's just kind of the reliability could be there. And the Falcons didn't necessarily have a guy like that last year. I thought maybe there was a chance Kaderil Hodge could turn into that player. Um, he never really got the chances, I think, to be that guy. So I think Matt Collins can come in here and, and you know, not, again, set the world on fire, but be a nice addition. I still think the Falcons probably should add to their wide receiver room or just more offensive skill players. Um, as Steve mentions later, they need a burner. Uh, that's easy to find. It's much easier to just be like, we need a guy who can run a 4-4-2 on this offense than somebody who can run a 4-4-2, also has great separation skills, also is physical and can beat press coverage. Like, the more you shorten that list to just, hey, we kind of need one or two of these qualities instead of a guy who can do a five-tool player, you know, so to say, it's easier to find that speed guy. And I think that the Falcons are putting themselves in, in a great position to just add one, maybe two of those guys wherever they need to on offense. And then I really like what they got going. Uh, a lot of it comes down to Desmond Ritter's development at this point. But, you know, there, there's the makings of a decent offense here, especially when you consider what Arthur Smith brings as the play caller and the game planner and what they can do on the ground. So, yeah, I really like both of those moves. They both obviously impact offense, but the Falcons, by and large, have done a great job, I think, addressing defense. And I don't think they're done by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, so that's enough of my thoughts on the recent moves. Let's get uh, somebody who is much, much more well positioned to uh, share his thoughts on everything that has gone down. And that is Steve Weish. And after Steve, please, again, stay tuned. We got David Onyemata coming up for you guys on the tail end of this. Uh, I'll catch you on the back end. Let's get to Steve. All right. Steve Weish joins me now. He is the NFL Network's chief national reporter. You can follow him on Twitter and Instagram at Weish89. Steve, we actually have some really interesting topics to talk about for <laughs> Falcons free agency. How exciting is that, man? Well, the Falcons in free agency? What? <laughs> yeah. Well, look, for, for two years, they were held captive uh, just trying to get their cap right. They came in with about $65 million. They have not gone what I would consider big game hunting, but they've they've mm -hmm. kind of stuck to a formula where they still have, you know, more than $20 million in cap space to work with, and they still have the eighth overall pick. But they've, yeah. they've put themselves in position to actually, and I, I can't believe I'm saying this, draft the best player available at, at number eight. I, I couldn't agree more. I've actually been thinking about that, just looking at all the different moves that they've made and the ones they haven't made yet, but are kind of been linked to a little bit, the players they're bringing in, they're talking to. I mean, it kind of does feel, and, and Terry Fondo said when he was first introduced as the Falcons general manager, you address your needs at the NFL level with proven NFL players in free agency. In the draft, you go get the best player and you just kind of add talent wherever you can because you need talent in football teams. So it kind of does feel like they could go 
anywhere with the number eight pick. Yeah, typically it's hyperbole. When you hear GMs picking the top 10, say best available player, they're drafting for need, Mm -hmm. right? You saw Arthur Smith come in and take Kyle Pitts because they needed a tight end to do what they wanted to do. So I'm draft Drake London because, Lord, they need a wide receiver. Um, and so you dra- they were drafting for need because they didn't have any free agent, right? Uh, you know, real possibilities. You know, they, they were signing guys to one- and two-year deals to help establish a certain culture and a certain foundation. You know, and they took care of guys who really, you know, kind of fit the bill. I mean, you see him resign, you know, Chris Lindstrom and Caleb McGarry, who were here who are in Atlanta before they got there, but those guys lived up to the culture that they'd established. And, and yes. that's a good way, you know, look, you, you, you resign and you, you pay the people who you think fit the bill. That's a good sign that that creates such positivity in your locker room. Like, okay, if I do well here, they're going to keep me. And they've done a really good job of getting the buy-in and this is only going to help. And I thought that the timing of the Chris Lindstrom extension fits into exactly what you're saying. It's like, look, we're not going to wait to get this done. We're not going to try to, you know, obviously none of us know what those conversations were actually like, but it does seem as though the Falcons said, hey, look, you're a pillar of this franchise. You do things the right way on and off the field. We're going to take care of you. We want you to be here in the in the long haul. And and that does resonate within the locker room. And one of the things that, that Terry has said, you know, throughout this whole process is that they're being very intentional with who they are bringing into their building, with who they're giving money, right? And a lot of the guys that they brought in have connections with coaches, you know, Arthur Smith, Johnny Smith, Jesse Bates, uh, you know, in Cincinnati uh, with Atlanta Secondary Coach. So what can you tell us about not just, you know, the athletic ability of the players that they brought in, but also the mindset, kind of what they're going to mean in the locker room? Yeah, yeah, you know, David Anamayata coming in with Ryan Nielsen, also pairing him with Caden Ellis. Yeah. Um, the one thing hasn't really been discussed, but you know, you, you look at the players, and you know, other than like Anmanyata, most of the players they brought in are multi-positional players, right? Mm-hmm. Bates can play both safety positions. You know, Richie Grant's more of a strong. Bates is more of a free, but Bates can sink down, right? So if there's an injury, they can roll guys over. You know, Ellis, we saw he's more of an outside guy, but last year injuries forced him to play inside. Um, in New Orleans, and he was a stud. I thought I thought he was better inside. He's great through the so, A-gap. Yeah, I mean, he's he's got incredible instincts. So you see the players, you know, Mac Hollins, what a fantastic <laughs> signing, right? People are going to be like, who's Mac Hollins? Oh, he's kind of a utility guy. No, he's not. If you watch him last year with Las Vegas, when Devontae mm-hmm. Adams would get double teamed, Carr went to him. He went to him deep. He went to him short. He's a tough guy. He kind of fits the bill with the catch and run. Great blocker in the run game. So, again, other than like the offensive linemen, right, the interior players that they either signed or re-signed, almost everyone they added is a versatile, multi-package type of player. You know, again, with Johnny Smith and Matt Collins being really good uh, players in the kicking game as well. So this fits exactly what they've been trying to do with their draft picks. You, know, you draft Tyler Algier. Okay, here's a, here's a starting running back, but here's a guy who also plays in the kicking game. He plays on yep. special teams. You know, these they they didn't budge. And when you and you know, and last year when they pursued Deshaun Watson, I was like, uh oh, they're breaking the formula. And that's when yeah. teams fall apart, when they break the formula. And when they didn't get him. They clearly were like, we're sticking with the formula. We're not going to go out and chase Lamar Jackson, even though 
<laughs> been, been a bad idea if they would when it go yeah. got, got a player like that. But um, you know, they're sticking with the formula and they've been competitive enough through the injuries and the the, the comings and goings and not elite talent to build. Now they've got to start stacking wins in a division where they should be able to. Yeah, we'll get to the division um, here in a little bit, but you're right. I mean, it's about versatility is, is really the name of the game. I mean, all NFL teams are going to say that, right? Like, there's not going to be an NFL team that sits there and is like, no, we just want guys that can do just one thing. Just that's all we care about is just one. But Arthur Smith and the way that he game plans, especially, really stood out last year. The way that the Falcons were able to make every game close, regardless of kind of the duh, the disparity in talent level, they figured out, hey, here's how you guys want to play. This is how we can beat you. But you need guys that can bring that versatility to the table to allow you to do one week one thing, the next week another thing. And Matt Collins, great run blocker, really physical, like you mentioned. And that is something that we we make these jokes about Arthur Smith loving, you know, basketball players, a wide receiver. There's a reason for that. It's because when Tyler Algier or Cordero Patterson are breaking off these 25-yard runs off of right tackle, Usually there's a wide receiver making a block at the second level. And so I think that you're right. Like they have a very clear plan. They have a template of, of guys that they want to bring in here. And I think that now we're finally seeing that they have the money to do that. So two years down the road, we look back at this free agency class. Obviously it's not finished yet, but of the guys that they've added or re-signed or extended, who do you think we're going to look back and kind of be like, man, they nailed it with that one. Well, it's hard to say. I mean, Chris Lynch was already a stud, right? Right. You know, and, and he's someone who I think is going to be a great player for a long time. Um, I'm a big fan of David Anyamata, a big fan of his. I mean, he's he's been so steady in New Orleans for a long time, and he really set the table for what they did up front. And Ryan Nielsen, of course, the new Falcons DC, was his position coach. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I think getting him – play next to Grady Jarrett and some of the games you'll be able to do with them are, are going to be fantastic. Um, you know, we'll see about Jesse Bates. I, I think he's a really good player who plays a position that, you know, some people don't value as much when it comes to big money. The Falcons understood what they want to do with their defensive scheme. And if you look what the Saints have traditionally done, their safeties have been dynamic, yeah. Yeah. you know, going back to the Roman Harpers and Darren Sharpers of the world and, and kind of what they've done there with takeaway guys, you know, really, you know, Marcus Williams, guys like that who just were always on point. You know, and I was speaking to Dennis Allen, I actually uh, sat next to him on a flight up to the combine. And he was telling me how Nielsen is like most D line coaches don't see bigger than a D line. That's why they stay D line coaches their whole career. So Ryan Nielsen's got such talent. Like they're like, this is a huge, huge loss for us because he sees the game. In a broader manner. So yeah. I think the way he's going to use, you know, Caden Ellis and Troy Anderson and, and some of these types of players, it's it's going to be a hodgepodge of, of really creative things. Now we'll see at eight if they go, I mean, they're going to be in a sweet spot to take one of the top edge players. Yep. Um, if they want to do that, a sweet spot to take a wide receiver. Um, or a corner. I mean, if Christian corner, Gonzalez is yeah. sitting there at my, ooh, that'd be a tough <laughs> pass. Have him and AJ Terrell and Jesse Bates back there in your secondary. Yeah, I mean that's as good. <laughs> or you, you worry about paying him later. You pay you pay Terrell that you know next year, and you know you got you got four more years before you have to pay Gonzalez. But 
uh, they've they've got themselves in a, in a really really good situation because again of being pragmatic in yes. what they did in free agency. One of the comments that Ryan Nielsen made uh, in his introductory press conference that I found really interesting was basically Arthur Smith's philosophy or desire to be able to stop the run from light boxes, right? Obviously, the NFL is becoming a passing league. We saw cover two really make a comeback in a big way this past year, and you're kind of putting a tent over the top of the offense. It seems like Arthur Smith ideally would like to defend the pass first, but still be able to effectively stop the run while dedicating more assets, I guess, towards stopping the pass. Jesse Bates, to me, is, is an awesome player for that because of his tackling, because of his instincts. I mean, you watch him on film and he's just kind of knifing between dudes, avoiding traffic, and then making the tackle surely every time. And the Falcons were not a good tackling team, especially at the second and third levels last year. So I thought the Jesse Bates signing was a no-brainer. It was an awesome kind of home run move, in my opinion. But I am curious... Starting on the back end, this team has clearly needed a pass rush upgrade forever. David Onyemata, I think, like you said, will pair nicely with Grady Jarrett. And they can do a lot of interesting stuff there. I think Caden Ellis is a little underrated as, as far as his impact he could have on the pass rush. But what do you think the thinking or the rationale was behind, hey, our big splash move in free agency, at least so far, is going to be in the secondary. And it's not going to be kind of as that edge rusher one a pass rusher is that because a that didn't exist in this class or do you think it was more about just what they got in jesse bates and they really really wanted him i think i think it was it was kind of a mixture of both you know bates is a very good player yeah um like you said he's excellent free safety right really nice in coverage but he's got great vision great instincts not a big hitter but a short tackler and that's what you want you want a short tackler Whereas Richie Grant, a little bit of a liability in terms of coverage, a much better player in open field. But then you get the speed at inside linebacker with with Anderson and Caden Ellis. I'm assuming that's kind of what they were thinking when they got Caden Ellis, that Michael Walker, you know, maybe mm-hmm. just doesn't have enough beef to play inside. But now you got two three down guys. So you talk yeah. about playing light boxes, you know, you can do that because Ellis showed he can play the Sam, he can play the Will, he can play the Mike. Um and Anderson can do do that as well. So you got two guys who can really run and who are versatile. So then that way, you, if you have to play a big nickel, right, a three-safety uh, light box, or you go to a regular nickel with a three-corner light box, there's, there's just mm-hmm. things that they are going to be able to do here and match up better with some of the personnel that they're going to have to face in division and out of the division. They definitely will. Let's actually talk about the division uh, right now because I think a lot of people have – um, pointed out how the quarterbacks in the NFC South certainly just totally different than what we've, you know, certainly come a long way from Matt Ryan, Drew Brees, uh, Cam Newton era, where it was yes. everybody was kind of there to say James Winston in, in Tampa too. It was like, those are your quarterbacks for years. Everybody knew what they were. Totally different now. Um, where do you think the Falcons, as it stands now, kind of sort out in the shuffle of the NFC South? Even with Desmond well, Ritter, we assume he's going to... I mean, I, I honestly think it comes down to quarterback play. Yeah. I mean, it really is. Ritter is going to get every opportunity to be the starting quarterback, right? But if not, Taylor Heineke is there. So they did mm-hmm. a fantastic job in having a veteran quarterback who's got some familiarity with the offensive coaches there, right? Mm-hmm. A guy who everybody loved. And when I say that, look at how the commander's players reacted when he was in the huddle 
as opposed to anybody else. And that tells you all you need to know, right? So, you know, I think Ritter showed them a lot of things. He didn't ask a ton out of him. Now they are going to, right? Mm -hmm. You're going to see dual tight end sets. You're going to see 22 personnel. You're going to see 12 personnel because of Johnny Smith and Kyle Pitts. You know, Pitts will be more of a flex guy, but Johnny Smith can be a flex guy. Yeah. You know, they could they could do so many things um, with those types. Of, but but Ritter has got to be quick and he's got to be decisive. And they've got to drive the ball down the field. You know, I spoke with so many organization. They said, look, I know people say we got these a basketball team of guys who can go up and get it and move the sticks in. But every one of these receivers has got a verticality to his game as well. And it's true. I mean, Drake London can get downfield. Kyle Pitts yeah. can. Mac Hollins can. Right? These are all guys – who can go? They still, to me, they still need a burner. I agree. It doesn't have to be a small guy, but they've got to be somebody who defense is like, uh oh. Okay, we have to pay attention to him just to open up the field for some of the stuff they want to do in the run game. But Desmond Ritter's just got, he's got to be decisive and he's got to be quick with what they want to do. As much as, you know, that offensive line improved, it is still a run driven offensive yeah. line with some protection issues. So, you know, it's it's really going to be up to Ritter in terms of how the Falcons stack up. I mean, defensively, that's where I mean, my opinion, they go edge, right? Because there's going to be some studs uh, right there <laughs> yeah. when they draft, and I and I and I think you've got to have that guy. I mean, you 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 know, the Chiefs maybe they didn't have the individual dude, Chris Jones, Frank Clark, but the Falcons still have to have somebody who makes offensive tackles and offensive coordinators really worried about the protection with that one guy because that frees up everybody else to do things. Yeah, if you have to dedicate a few more resources to help out an offensive lineman because you're just worried about that matchup. Sure. Yeah, it, it does. It makes things easier for your defense. Um, I think that you talk about um, Desmond Ritter and really having to take ownership of this offense. That was something that really stood out, I think, with Marcus Mariota early in the year was just the amount of kind of processing you have to do before the snap because the Falcons were such a, an intricate offense and that they seemingly could do a bunch of different things on any given play and out of any personnel grouping or any formation. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm really interested to see what Desmond Ritter looks like and how much of a grasp he has over all of that. But a big thing that Arthur Smith mentioned to us in training camp was these guys need to push the ball down the field more. I'm challenging them and to Ritter, take these shots. And, and Ritter will do that. I mean, you saw that when Ritter was in there, he'll, he'll push it. Yes. Right. He's got, he's got to improve on his accuracy, but he will push the ball down the field. Marcus, Marcus one, uh, didn't have the, the, the arm that Ritter has. And two, he just he wanted to play it safe, and there was nothing wrong with that. But at some point, you've got to get the ball down the field. And, you know, that's where I think Ritter will show up. He's going to have to show up if he doesn't want to lose that job to Heineke. For sure. And, and we know Heineke will throw it down the field. <laughs> so yep. no, no worries about that. Um, Caleb McGarry, looking at after they didn't pick up his fifth-year option, he played amazingly, I think, last year. Obviously, you can nitpick, and, the, and there are some – pass protection uh, issues that you can still point out, but by and large, best uh, year of his career so far. And I think now the Falcons look very sensible in the deal that he ultimately ends up getting three years, 34.5. You compare it to some of the deals that the other tackles on the market were getting. And Caleb McGarry now looks like a great value for this team. I mean, what do you think of that signing and him and Chris Lindstrom now just holding down the right side of the offensive line, it, it looks like they're getting more consistency up front. 
than they have previously. Which is which is the makings of a good offensive line. I mean, yes. when you can keep an offensive line together um, for a couple of years and let him get going. I mean, you saw how the Chiefs turned it over in two years and, and they got back to the Super Bowl with a pretty good offensive line. You know, they're losing Orlando Brown. But the good teams, it's that consistency on the offensive line. Yes. And McGeary just showed, you know, once they started running a system that is that really played to his strengths, that stretch zone, that uh, that movement. Now yep. they can continue to develop some of the things that worked offensively. You know, it took them a while again to figure out what they were offensively last year, because um, you know they they kind of slow played getting Algier on the field. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they they really just it, it was weird in the passing game. Trying to see, you know, because everything was rolled out, everything was movement because of Marcus's strength and his speed. I think Ritter's more of a drop back guy. They're still going to move the pocket, but McGarry was a hell of a run blocker, and him and Lynchum together really, really formed something well. And now you add a tight end if you go too tight, mm-hmm. um, a lot. I, I just think now they've got a little bit more of an identity and know what they want to do, and that's going to continue to develop as they get. You know, again, they've got to add more speed, uh, in my opinion. But I just think the offensive line and and what McGarry showed, I mean, I'm sure he was hurt when they didn't pick up his option and he wouldn't play like that. And now, and now it's one of these things where he's either going to say, I can be really good in this league and Mm -hmm. continue to evolve, which happens with a lot of offensive linemen, or he can say, all right, I've arrived. And then, then it's nice, you know, right. The fact that, you know, they got him on the deal that they got was, you know, $11 million a year. I mean, that's great, great value. Uh, for a starting right tackle in the NFL. And watching him just in space on the move yep. is one of my favorite things to, it, like on Sundays. He's just this six, seven, you know, 300 pound man just looking to kick somebody's ass in the open field is really fun. Um, last one for you, Steve, before I let you go. But you mentioned the Falcons still have a little bit of, of gap space to, to work with here. Yeah. And Terry Fontenot historically has been really, really good at finding these undervalued in the market assets and getting kind of the best years out of them once, you know, bringing them on board, obviously the coaches get the most out of them, but like right. scouting that and finding, having that eye for a player who maybe has the best days ahead of them. Where do you think the Falcons go from here in free agency? What, what could be left on their, uh, their to-do list? Well, I mean, I think you could probably add a little more depth in the secondary, you know, some guys to, who couldn't play secondary, play in, the, play in the kicking game. They've got some pretty good depth at inside linebacker, um, you know, a, across the board. So I think it'll be nothing major. We'll see how the running back market shakes out. Um, I think maybe they do go young, but some of these better running backs are still out there. Um, you know, they, they've got to take a look. And they need somebody with some gas. Mm-hmm. You, know, you you look at these teams that you know again. Look at Pacheco, seventh round pick out of Rutgers last year. You know you look at Damian Pierce, fourth round pick. You know they've got to find someone who's got some gas. And, and you know we know Cordero Patterson has it, but wide receiver, you, you got to have someone who can turn that eight yard run into an eighteen yard run. It's just yeah, like you said, light boxes. You know you you the game is played in space now, so. It's really hard to tell. I, I just think, you know, they're saving money in case they've got to spend next year. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think they're they're just going to say, we, we've got it, let's spend it. You know, I really think this is, okay, next year we may need it because let's say Desmond Ritter doesn't work out. 
Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's go find somebody. Let's go. Let's go get maybe one of these quarterbacks. You know, if we, you know, they don't want to be in a position where they have to draft one because that means all <laughs> of a sudden the the head coach and the GM are on thin ice because they didn't yeah. they didn't improve. Um, but I I just think they're going to be very very wise in what they do and not go after the big fish until they're at the point where there's a, there's that one or two players who puts them over the top. Well, there are a few in this business wiser than Steve Weish. Again, you can follow him on Twitter and Instagram at Weish89. Steve, this has been great. Thank you so much for uh, for taking the time to hop on and talk a little Falcons free agency with me. Anytime, man. I appreciate you asking me to be on the pod. All right. Ooh, all right, guys. We got uh, David on your mind. Uh, Will McFadden, you want to kick it off? Yeah, sure. Uh, hi, David. Welcome to Atlanta. Um, can you just walk us through your decision to, you know, ultimately sign with the Falcons? You know, uh, I, I had a couple of, I had a couple offers out there, but uh, it's just uh, for me, the big thing was family and the idea of coming to coming to play with uh, with an established coach in the league, with uh, a coach of his caliber and the coach with such a high IQ in the, in, in, in the game. So, uh, you know, coming down here was especially not just that and me just getting the opportunity to play with, play with some great players as well, you know, like that, that, that kind of was uh, the drawing factor for me to be here. So you're not the, the first player to mention coach Nielsen and, and really wanting to continue to, to play with him. Kate Nellis earlier mentioned that that's a reason he wanted to come to Atlanta as well. What is it about Coach Nielsen that really players want to play for him and will even change teams to do so? Uh, the numbers, you know, the numbers speak for itself. You know, like if you go check on his resume, you could, you could, you, you, you see, you see that. And, and I feel like for players like Caden as well, you know, just get, get an opportunity to still get to learn from such a, such a coach and such a person that I think that that helps in the long term. That helps in the long term of a person's career, and it just helps in getting your game game way better. Because I, as a player, I'm still learning. I've been with him for six years. I'm still learning. You know, like we're still evolving. So that's 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 it. You mentioned the players as well, uh, too. Grady Jarrett as a defensive tackle. I mean, what's been your impression of him from afar? And then Chris Lindstrom going up against him directly. I mean, yeah. what? How excited are you to now be on the same team as those two guys? Uh, it's 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 great, you know, a player player like Grady and uh, and such such the 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 career he's put together to this day, you know, like it, it, that that speaks for itself. And uh, Chris as well, I got to play him a couple times, played him last year, and you, you just tell like he's a player who's you know over the years got better and just and, and just been 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 playing at a high level, you know, like last year the season he put together, he 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 he. he Locked it down, <laughs> you know. So that 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 getting a practice with them guys, a practice against Chris and uh, on a daily. That that I think that that would be great as well, you know. You want me to keep going? Yeah, you got more. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I got. Um, so start of the twenty twenty one season, six game suspension. I know at the time, you know, you were surprised to learn about the yeah. suspension, but. Has that experience changed your approach to your diet, to supplements? Have you grown from that experience at all? Yeah, definitely. I've grown from that. Getting to uh, now 
basically all my supplements all from the same brand and uh, went through the NSF, uh, NSF certifications and all that. So I, I have, I look at them things way more strictly now, you know, like when I, when I, based on my diet and supplements. And then last one for me is, are there any kind of qualities, be they characteristics or like traits that you want to bring over from what you guys had in New Orleans to this defensive line here in Atlanta? I uh, just bring, bring, how do I say, bring the will to fight, you know, every time. But while you're doing that, have fun with it. You know, while you're doing that, have fun with it and just, and just play for each other. You know, I I feel like, I feel like that, those, uh, those things would, uh, would, would help a lot and uh, take us far. Awesome. Thanks, David. Awesome. I appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. That will do it for today's show, which as always, is presented by Bet Online. Thanks again to Steve Weish for coming on the show. I hope you guys enjoyed that little bit with uh, with David Onyemata as well. Please let everybody know where they can find the podcast. I know we're getting into a little bit of a doldrums area for free agency where maybe not as much news could be happening, but the draft is ramping right back up. So I think next week you guys can expect maybe a, a switch back to the draft, talking about that a little bit more, getting you guys uh, previewed for what the Falcons could do with the number eight pick as well as, you know, beyond that in all seven rounds. So that's probably coming up next week. Um, but share the word, you know, if, if you like this podcast, we need you guys to be uh, evangelists for it and, you know, let everybody know where they can find us. So with all of that said, thank you guys again for listening. I'll catch you next week. Uh, until then, everybody take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.